Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable Women's World Cup podcast brought to you by Play Taga. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Hi, I'm Jay. I'm editor of TheEaglesBeak.com, a Palace fan site by, by fans for fans. Uh, we cover the Palace ladies, so that's our, uh, that, that's our uh, take on uh, women's football on the site. So uh, feel free to check us out on the site. Loads of good football content, and uh, we're m- most active on Twitter, so you can catch us there at the TheEaglesBeak. Hi, I'm uh, Jim Fishlock. I'm a writer and a podcaster for AnfieldIndex.com. You can catch me uh, on my own Twitter account at JimFish286. I'm also the older brother of women's professional football player Jess Fishlock, who's currently playing for Seattle Rain FC in the uh, NWSL. Hi, I'm Jennifer Gordon. I write for Equalizer Soccer, um, covering uh, not only the U.S. national team, but also uh, mainly the professional league. All right, thanks so much for joining us again, Jim and Jay, and welcome Jennifer for the first time. We don't have a Making the Rounds uh, segment as such, but we're going to jump straight into the topic, which is, uh, what have you taken away from our brief glimpse at the Women's World Cup 2015 that's happened thus far? We've seen Canada play China, we've seen uh, Netherlands versus New Zealand, and just now Norway versus Thailand. Uh, We've obviously already seen some issues with the turf, which we knew would be an issue coming in, but the ball's kind of playing a little choppily. Um, we're already seeing some different kind of play styles and, and kind of tactics have changed um, in immediately shifting from the men's game to the women's with, with the uh, approach tactically to corners and stuff like that being different. So just what have you taken away from this kind of brief glimpse we've gotten thus far? I think um, for me, I mean, the first couple of games are pretty competitive, actually. The Canada-China game, I mean, a lot of people thought China would be a team uh, which would... Uh, uh, not so much challenge Canada, but they, you know, they 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 did. They played well, and they're unlucky to uh, to lose that game. I thought. Um, I don't think Canada are on top form, um, but they managed to, you know, to, to sneak the win for a late penalty. Second game, very similar. You know, the Dutch uh, uh, just narrow narrow win over uh, New Zealand, which again was a uh, a good competitive game, tight game. And well, the first game tonight was pr- quite different in that Norway, a strong Norwegian side, uh, beat Thailand, um, which is probably what you would expect in you know in the way that the uh, the rankings go. But um, you know, Norway kind of set the standard really. You know, they've they've beaten team they're expected to beat but they've beaten them quite well um, and it's probably you know it's a good result for them to start with and uh, you know kind of set the standard for, for some of the top sides we're going to see Germany later on tonight so obviously they've won the title twice one of the favourites for this year uh, it'd be good to see what they can do against um, you know uh, Ivory Coast side which you know not really sure how they're going to perform um, you know there are suggestions that they could spring a surprise or two but uh I guess that remains to be seen, but the German side is is pretty strong in terms of playing style and and, and the turf issues. Yeah, I think you know I, I've played on these three G pitches before, and uh, yeah, the bounce of the ball I think is the main is one of the main things, and also um, you know the way players turn on the pitch as well can you know that can cause cause injury. I think one of the Canadian players uh, went down quite heavily. I think it's Buchanan um, went down the first game, which uh, I think she you know she shook it off as the game went on, but it looked quite uh, uh, quite nasty, and that's that's that, that was first real example um you know in the world cup in the first game even you know what can happen and yeah you can you can get some uh, you know um you know, ligament tears things like that on this pitch because it doesn't particularly give like a a normal surface does but i think the biggest thing for me is the bounce of the ball 
it, it, it looks quite unnatural, and I know that from playing on it myself. You know, it's not it's not so much the old style Astro Turf. You know, it's you know it has it has kind of it's similar to Blades of Grass, but it uh, it really you know the ball is quite different to how you would play on a, on a normal football field. But um, for me, I'm you know the first few games have been quite positive. Um, Tonight's was a bit different because it was, you know, a little bit one-sided. Um, but I'm hopeful and I'm looking forward to the rest of the tournament, actually. And it's given, you know, it's, it's been quite mouthful in those first couple of games because there were both games you expected one side to beat the other quite well and, uh, and it didn't turn out that way. So we'll see how, uh, how things go from there. Yeah, you make some good points about the turf, Jay. I know from uh, mm. talking to Jess earlier that, that it, it's all brand new. It's, it's mm. that 4G stuff and there's just so many of those little black, bally things on there which um mm. which are just making the ball run um you know sort of unnaturally the bounce as well um so that that is going to cause a problem for more than likely the, the sort of european and the asian teams you know so australia south korea uh, china or korea sorry um you know and then obviously all the all the european teams because they don't play on it as much as the american and the canadian side so that certainly is going to be a leveler um, I've not seen any of the matches so far, the early days in the tournament, I must admit. But, you know, particularly looking forward to catching up with Germany. They're a fantastically strong side. Um, Frankfurt won the Women's Champions League this season. Um, so they're a fantastically strong side. And then practically the whole squad is German. Uh, Jess was there for three months as part of her pre-season. Uh, just missing out on playing in the final for the Champions League, but but she managed to pick up a medal, so uh, <laughs> she's done well there. But yeah, they, they're they're an excellent excellent side, and I think of all the European sides, they're going to probably be the ones to watch. Really, they're going to be the the side that that potentially could win the tournament. Um, they sort of bottled it the last time out. It was held in Germany, so. Yeah, they've obviously got a point to prove. Um, I think, you know, in general, from watching women's football, it's always struck me as very very technical and very attacking anyway. So I think, you know, this World Cup, I'll be very surprised if we see many sort of nil-nil draws and any sort of, you know, like the the international game that was on this afternoon with the England men's and the Irish men's. That was horrendous. I, I honestly don't think there will be a half of football anywhere near as... Uh, as bad as that during this World Cup because women's football in general is very, very entertaining. Um, to talk about, to start off talking about the turf, I think um, maybe something that's been overlooked a little bit until now is how hot turf is yeah. and how tired the teams look towards the end of games, especially yesterday, I thought. Um, I know in NWSL last year in the semifinal between uh, Kansas City and Portland, um, that definitely played a huge factor. In fact, the, yeah, it, I mean, Kansas City is just really hot during the summer anyway. So it's definitely hotter than Canada, but they even have like um, IVs, um, you know, to get fluids in their body. So it'll be interesting to see how uh, squads that aren't used to really having to deal with heat as much, how they deal with it and um, how that'll bring down the level of play. Uh, especially in the second half of matches and as we get further into the tournament. Um, I think for me, the big takeaway here, um, you know, halfway through the second day of the tournament is um, these debutants aren't, you know, the eight teams that are making their debut aren't just here to, to be here. They're definitely here to try to make some noise. Um, Netherlands yesterday, I, I thought they looked good. Um, and, you know, they're really showing just how deep uh, – Europe really is in terms of uh, women's football. And so that's definitely great. And I thought 
you know, Thailand obviously uh, was definitely out of their league uh, against Norway, but they def- definitely had some good moments. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how they can grow throughout this tournament. Um, you know, obviously they're not going to make it out of group, but just to see what their learning curve can be and what they can take from this tournament. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see where they come out of it, you know, eight, 10 years down the road. Um, so I think that's um, definitely a huge angle that has been sort of overlooked because of the, because of the turf and because of FIFA scandal and, um, you know, here in the States at least, all the talk about um, Hope Solo. So I think that's maybe the most positive thing that's going to come out of this tournament. Yeah, Norway definitely had an excellent uh, match today, pretty much running Thailand off the pitch. I will agree that there were, there were moments that were good, but when you're smaller and slower, that's not going to lead to many great things in, in any venue sports-wise. Um, do, do you think that this is how good Norway is, or this is just kind of how, how new Thailand is to it? Like, are, are we now thinking that, you know, obviously we'll see Germany in a, in a few hours here, but are Norway one of those teams that could really, really contend this year? I think that's probably one of the biggest uh, questions of the tournament, really. Uh, one of their best players is out injured, uh, Caroline Graham Hansen, so one of their leading goal scorers. Um, I think it definitely helps that they're in this group, and there's two, you know, Ivory Coast isn't doesn't really have a shot of getting out of the group either. So I think that helps because I, I think um, you can kind of rest key players a little bit more than you would if, say, you were in um, the group with, you know, France and England, or you're in the group of death, um, group D, uh, with the U.S. and Australia and Sweden. So um, I think that's definitely going to play a hand in it. But at the end of the day, I think this, there's only, they're definitely still second tier. Um, there, there's a chance they could win it, but, you know, my money would still be on like a France or a Germany or United States. Um, Sweden and Japan in there as well. Yeah, I, I obviously uh, was partial to the Dutch yesterday, who I thought had an excellent match uh, in, in their first World Cup match. Um, the defense, I, I think, was one of the more impressive things about it, because as, as Jim mentioned, um, from, from my memories of the last Women's World Cup, you know, there, there tend to be a lot of goals, and it tends to be very exciting and attacking, and, and to see them kind of set up uh, in an attacking fashion kind of on the counter. Uh, and then really defend that wall was very good to see, especially, like I said, in their first match. Um, I thought Canada kind of struggled. Uh, I don't know if that was a pressure thing. I can't claim that I've watched Canada many times uh, up to this point, just the England one and, and now. But um, I don't know. Are we expecting them to improve a lot? Are we thinking maybe the pressures of having the opening ceremonies right before right beforehand might have impacted their performance, or might they be a little disappointing? I don't think they're going to be playing in the semifinals or the finals. Um, they have they have a good core of players, but they're all fairly older. Um, I think a lot of how well they do in this tournament uh, depends on whether or not they can get Diana Matheson back. And I know you can't pin the hopes of an entire team on a single player, um, but she is dynamic and she changes games. Uh, unfortunately, she had an ACL tear uh, in the buildup to the World Cup. And then she suffered a uh, foot injury just a couple months ago. So um, the coach has basically said she's, you know, she's here for basically the end of the tournament. So they're hoping that they can use her towards the end. Um, so I think that's a huge issue for them. And then 
you know, you're right. They didn't. They didn't. They didn't play as well as they should have yesterday. Um, I you could definitely tell that sense of relief on uh, Christine Sinclair's uh, face when she sealed that penalty. Uh, so it'll be interesting. I I do agree. It'll be interesting to see how if it was just pressure or if this is how they're going to play. Um, I will say, I think it was about a week ago or so, they played Nigeria, who is uh, a huge question mark as to how well they'll play. A lot of people say they're going to be really good. Other people say, you know, not so much. They're not getting out of group. They they drew Canada one or they drew Canada 0-0. So um, being held scoreless isn't exactly something that hasn't happened to Canada um, in the build-up. So I really don't have a, a good answer for whether or not it was nerves. All right, Jim, uh, I mentioned there in the intro kind of the tactics portion of it, and obviously we're seeing different uh, a different uh, take on corner play. Obviously in the men's game we see you kind of lining up around the penalty spot and then charging the ball here. We're seeing a lot of players along the line. Is this something that we're, we're going to be seeing more of, and, and do you know why that's the, the strategy that's used? I don't know why that that strategy would be being used, but you know it is as I've said before, it is very sort of um, more ta- uh, technical the women's game in in general, and I guess you know it, it's a bit more you've got a bit more freedom to be innovative. Um, you know, obviously it is international football, it is a World Cup, it's the biggest one there's ever been. You know, these these club sides and these international sides, they, they they're away from sort of the 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 pressure, I guess, of a sort of you know men's team, and 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 it's not a sort of, I guess, it can be a bit more you know expressionative, and if that's a word, and and sort of try new things, which is always which is always good to see. Um, you know. I, you, you say about the, the different style of corners, but I know from watching Seattle in the early hours of this morning, you know, Jess scored uh, a header from a corner, which was a, a whipped in near post run. And she, you know, which is a standard thing as you're going to see, you know, in the English Premier League or any other um, men's league. So I just think, it, you know, it just gives a women's football, as I say, is, is a bit more sort of, uh, there's a bit more freedom to sort of try these things. And, and it's good to see because, you know, it, if everyone was playing the same way, it'd be boring, wouldn't it? But I just want to come back to talking about Holland and having watched football there for for, for uh, three seasons. They, it's no surprise to me that the the, the women's national team is solid, uh, and I think they'll go far this World Cup. You know, I wouldn't expect them to get to the semi-finals or or the final, but I think they'll surprise a few along the way. They do play a nice style of football. Uh, same with with the men's, you know, similar as the men's side do. Um, and yeah, I, I just think you know they could be ones to watch as the tournament goes on. I think one of the things I forgot to mention was um, I noticed uh, uh, there's a lot of shots from outside the area um, in yeah. the game so far. Um, whether that's to do, I don't know whether that's just um, gender in women's football or not. Cause I haven't seen an awful, you know, awful lot of women's football. But I just, you know, it's, it's great to see because sometimes you, you know, you watch football and think, oh, you know, players should, you know, have the chance to shoot outside the box. It's something that Jim alluded to, you know, a bit of a free, freedom to freedom for expression, perhaps, and you know, just have a go from you know when the ball falls outside the box. I think the Canada China game they were pinging shots in from all. <laughs> Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, 
you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. From, from, from all areas outside the area, which was a good see. And there's a great free kick from China as well. So there's been some good play so far. I've really enjoyed it. Um, I think the shots out from that far out um, has to do with a lot that the keepers have smaller hands. And so a lot of mm-hmm. the times they can't grab balls, so they have to punch it. So there's a chance mm-hmm. you get a secondary opportunity and so can, somebody can run on the ball and put it in. I think that's the thought process, process behind a lot of that. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Point. Yeah, Lika Martin's goal yesterday was very, very expertly taken. Um, yeah. And then there was another one like that today in the, in the Norway match. Uh, they mentioned yes. in the commentary that um, inverted wingers isn't as prevalent uh, in the women's game as we're seeing it in the men's right now. Can we attest to that at all, or is that something that may have just kind of been thrown out offhandedly? I think a lot of the football I, I've seen, um, they play four-three-three a lot of the time, and they keep the ball wide. I was lucky enough last week to go and spend uh, a night watching Yeovil ladies train. Um, their manager there, Jamie Sherwood, he's he's a good guy. Learning his trade as a young manager, and he's got them playing sort of a three-four-three style. Um, and and they they most of their play comes from their wingers, and they're not they're not at all defensive, you know. And they they play high up the pitch, and they put a lot of crosses into the box. Um, so I'm not sure if that's sort of if the commentator was just making a throwaway. Uh, comment, but I know from from watching, you know, a fair share of women's football, they they do like playing with width uh, in this country, uh, and as I say, from from watching a, a bit in Holland, uh, they do play that four three three style and, and, and like to keep their their wide wide players in the three as wide as possible. So um, that you know that's good to see, and that and that stretches the game, doesn't it? It gives obviously opportunities for for midfield runners to to get in the box and try and score. All right, and uh, we just mentioned Lika Martins, who was very impressive for the Netherlands yesterday in many capacities of the game, not just in the attack. But which other players have impressed you most thus far? Yeah, I think you mentioned one for me there, um, Kev. Uh, Mertens, a great goal she scored. She had a good game, actually, in, you know, uh, for, for Holland. Um, I'd also mention, uh, guys who mentioned them already, Christy Sinclair for Canada. I think uh, the pressure on that penalty take at the end of the game was, was immense. I think Canada didn't play particularly well. Um, perhaps I think you see it in a lot of uh, World Cup competitions where the hosts get off to a bit of a slow start, the pressure of the first game, all the build up for weeks on end before the game. Um, and I think you know her score at putting that goal away was, or putting that penalty away was, um, yeah, released an immense amount of pressure. I think they spoke to the um, Canada manager before the game, the coach, who's an English guy, and he said, uh, yeah, he used to be like six, you know, over six foot tall, but over you know weeks leading up to the game, he's, he's shrunk because of the pressure and all the interviews and all the media descending on the team. And he's, he wasn't suggesting it was the wrong thing. It's just something that the players have to deal with um, and, and should be open to because, you know, at the end of the day, they're promoting a women's game. So I think, you know, Sinclair scoring that goal was, you know, massive for them really to get that result and, and to get them off to a good start um, the other player I was going to mention was um, a Norwegian striker um, Ho- Hovland Ho- Ho- I can't remember I can't remember how you say it now I scored two goals for Norway today I thought she was very impressive it's a shame she didn't get a hat trick today um, but I think is, there was a sense in the game that a lot of the players were kind of playing a bit for themselves as the game went on a bit more rather than as a team um, and I think that might have alluded to 
you know, Thailand perhaps um, being a bit better in the second half um, and, uh, and and challenging a bit more, whereas Norway were kind of looking for, for for goals a bit more. But there's you know nothing wrong with that. They got off to a great start. So um, so that's a couple of players I, I I noticed in the first few games so far. For me, I think the players thus far would uh, be Kadisha Buchanan of uh, Canada. Uh, she just you know, not only defended well, but she picked good moments to kind of make run for runs forward and really had an impact on that game. Um, and you don't you don't really hear that much about um, you know center backs being. You, the player of the game or, or you really someone you take notice of but she's that type of player and it's kind of interesting because all eyes are obviously focused on Chris, Christine Sinclair and she's the face of that team uh Buchanan really is um kind of the standard bearer for that next generation so it'll be interesting to see how she fares in this ter- tournament yeah I'm actually also going to go defensive we already mentioned Martins but <laughs> We're just going to go with pronunciations here. Um, <laughs> Lois Gertz, I'm just going to call it that. The the Dutch keeper, only five foot six, and had a couple of amazing saves yesterday. Um, the defense kept most of it from getting in, but you know, in every football match, you're going to get a couple shots in there, and and she did excellently to save some. There was one that was coming across her body, and she like parried it in a jumping jack esque motion. Uh, not to get too technical with you guys, um, but it was an expertly, expertly saved uh, shot. Um, I, I was just very impressed by that. Also, pretty much the entire midfield of Norway today, uh, who just b- basically had their way that, that entire match. It it's kind of seemed like a lot of the, the Thailand players were in the right positions defensively, but then didn't really capitalize on that fact. So like there were bodies in the way, but it wasn't structured enough to really keep them from just playing through. Uh, so I'd say those players were the most impressive for me. Kev, on your, yeah. your pronunciation, but I, I know uh, Lois, the, uh, the Dutch <laughs> goalkeeper. Um, and yeah, she, for, for a girl of her stature, she is uh, exceptional. Um, she's good off her line, good shot stopper. Um, so yeah, she's, yeah I, haven't, I haven't seen the game. I'll try and catch some highlights, but uh, I'd expect her to, to have a good tournament. Yeah, she, her, her jumping ability was insane. I think Jennifer Shout was excellent actually Buchanan. She had a really good game for, for Canada. She as a defender, she got forward an awful lot in that game, I noticed. Um, she does that a lot. She plays at West Virginia University and I've had the privilege to see her play and it, it's just incredible because once she decides to start going forward, good luck trying to stop her. Like that's all I can say. <laughs> good luck. Yeah, she she was a force. That was yeah. yeah. She was, yeah. <laughs> like I, I'm I'm trying to like keep from making a whole bunch of analogies and stuff but kind of Yaya Toure-esque of just like once she was on the ball I was like you're either going to move or get run over one of those um, yeah I was I was impressed by her as well and if I could just add I think that if you saw how New Zealand was playing in the second half of that game um, and how physical they are mm. Buchanan is going to have to definitely be be as physical as she can you know she is a physical player but she's definitely going to have to bring that in the next game and I think that's going to be very important in that game all right, and Jennifer, you had mentioned you, you wanted to bring up a couple players that we haven't seen play yet. Yes. Um, I, you know, you've heard a lot about the players, I think, that um, are expected to make it out of group. But there's also some other players, I think, um, could, have a, could have a good showing even if they don't get out of group. I think um, in, during the buildup 
I want to highlight Charlene Corral of Mexico. Mexico has just been inundated with a lot of injuries, especially to their attackers. Um, just they had one go down with a foot injury, come back, and then she got a foot injury again. Um, and then one got injured after she scored against the United States in the um, one of the send-off matches, Aaron uh, uh, Calron. Uh, so they just don't have much going for them offensively. Uh, but she's been like they're saving grace in the qualifiers in two separate games. She scored two very important goals to get them qualified for the world cup. Um, she's not very fast. She's not very big, but she just finds a way to get it in the back of the net. And, um, she's really fun to watch. Her brother, George Corral actually plays in Mexico. Um, so there's been a lot of stories about, um, sort of the siblings there. So, and, uh, also, I think uh, Costa Rica, they're not getting out, get out of group either. Uh, you've heard a lot about Shirley Cruz, but they uh, also have, uh, there's also a uh, striker for them, uh, Carolina Vegas, who scored a lot of really nice goals in qualifying, uh, CONCACAF qualifying. It'll be interesting to see if she can do that on a bigger stage, but she had, it was almost a full bike. It wasn't quite a, a, a full bike. And the uh, qualifiers, and she was really entertaining to watch. So it'll be interesting to see if those two can uh, come up with a highlight reel in the uh, bigger stage. Great. Well, thank you for that. Uh, now we're going to move on to kind of a match watch, if you will, where we realize people aren't going to be tuning in for every match of this. We didn't expect it at the Men's World Cup last year. We aren't going to expect it this year with the Women's World Cup. But if there was a match that you want people to tune in for, what would it be? I think for me, there's a couple actually looking through the fixture list. I, I would say France-England is potentially, a, a obviously being an England fan, it's a big game. We haven't been in France um, for, for such a long time and it's uh, the first game of the group. So it, it, it means a fair bit because of the other two teams are uh, supposed to be the weaker teams in the group. So this could be, um, even at this early stage, um, a group decider, really. Um, the other game I was going to mention was Germany-Norway, uh, which I think is on Thursday. That that looks to be um, after watching Norway today, um, and we're still to watch Germany later on. But I expect them to be pretty decent. Um, it, that that game proves, but uh, you know, suggests to be uh, a pretty tasty affair. So I look forward to that one as well. Yeah, I, I think the the two games, um, the two first games the USA have got, I think are going to be excellent to watch. You know, that that is a group of death. Um, USA got a point to prove. Uh, you know, after after not winning it the last time out, and you're looking at Australia, they you know they could be a, a dark horse for it. Really, they, you know, they've got a lot of good players on that side. One in particular uh, is is Lisa Devane. She's a she's a striker. She plays for Melbourne, um, so she's one to keep your eye out for. Uh, and of course, then once they fin- once they've played Australia, they are up against Sweden. Um, so yeah, you know, USA could find themselves through. By the time they finish uh, the game against Sweden and looking, you know, nailed on almost as winners, or they could be out, uh, and that's that's just how tough their group is. For me, there's two matches where um, former for coaches are going against their former sides, which I think could be interesting from like a tactic tactics and uh, strategy perspective. You have Pia Sunhaga going against the United States, which I know was previously mentioned, but um, I just think that could be entertaining uh it decided the group the group of death in the last world cup i just think there's that entire group is going to be exciting i think that's probably going to be the most exciting game in that group 
And then also you have uh, Canada's John Hardman going against his former side, side New Zealand, and his former assistant is now the head coach. So it's definitely going to be one of those games of, I know already know what you're going to do. Here's, you know, I'm thinking three steps ahead, kind of like in chess, I think. So I think that's going to be um, kind of a more cerebral game to watch, perhaps, as far as um, what moves the coaches decide to make. Yeah, obviously I'm at a disadvantage going forth in this. Uh, I, I will enjoy seeing uh, Pia Suntaga again. That was like one of my favorite parts about the last Women's World Cup was just how excited she'd get whenever the U.S. did anything good, which to be fair happened a lot. Um, so I'm, I'm going to move to Thursday in particular, which where, where we'll see Germany, who we're about to see play as of immediately when we're done recording, um, versus Norway, who obviously had an excellent match earlier today. Um, as, as Jennifer mentioned, maybe Norway aren't in that top tier of, of teams that are favorites to win the title, but they're certainly good enough to, to challenge Germany. Uh, and then right after that, uh, it is going to be China versus Netherlands, which will pretty much decide who's going to finish second in that group. Um, hopefully it'll be Netherlands from my perspective, but, um, it seems like they have contrasting styles and, and Netherlands attack will definitely be, uh, interesting to see if they're going to be as effective against China as they were against uh, New Zealand, who were quite physical, as Jennifer mentioned. So I'm going to go with those two. So tune in Thursday for those back-to-back -back matches. I think that'll be a fun watch. All right, and as we're kind of still looking forward to the you know meat of the tournament, we've only had a little bit of an appetizer thus far. We're going to head out of here a little bit early, but if you have any projects you'd like to plug or if you'd like to tell people where to reach you, now would be a good time. Yeah, thanks for listening. I'm Jay from the Eagles Beak. Um, we've been, well, I've been uh, seeing myself on video a few times recently. So we've been doing a few videos, reviewing the end of season for Palace. And also I had a great chat with the guys that organised one of our players' testimonials uh, a couple of weeks ago. So feel free to check those out on Palace Fan TV. Um, we're always covering the Palace ladies as well. So we're um, about to put up online a review of the season from the chairman there as well. Um, so head over and have a look. There's lots to read. So theeaglesbeak.com is the site. And we're active on Twitter at the Eagles Beak. Uh, yeah, I'm uh, Jim Fishlock from Anfield Index. You can catch me on uh, Twitter at JimFish286. Uh, anything we do over on Anfield Index is at Anfield Index, obviously, uh, on Twitter as well. There's a constant feed of podcast articles, uh, opinion-based and statistical-based stuff. Uh, I've got a podcast coming up on Thursday where we play sort of the transfer, the transfer committee game um, where we set up a couple of guys as our head scouts and uh, manager and uh, analyst and we try and find some players for Liverpool to sign so we're not very good at that um, other than that uh, I'll be sort of tweeting out about the Women's World Cup as, as it goes on um, so yeah if you give me a follow on, on Twitter I'll keep you updated with uh, what's going on uh, Hi thanks for having me on and thanks for listening you can find me at jgordon1987 on Twitter and also you can read my stuff on uh, Equalizer Soccer we do a lot of coverage of obviously the world, the women's World Cup, but also uh, NWSL, and uh, I do some college stuff as well. So uh, give it a read. Yep, and I'm your host Kevin DeVries. I'm not doing much writing during the Women's World Cup, but you can find me as always on Twitter at Kevroff. And if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. And if you'd like to play play Taga's Women's World Cup Challenge, you can do that by downloading it in either the iTunes, Apple Store, or on Android in the Google Play Store. All right, well, thank you guys for joining us again. Thanks again, Jennifer, for joining us for the first time. It's been a pleasure as always, and we hope you keep listening.